Hey, welcome to the Hub Podcast. We are pumped and excited to be back again as we continue this series, Church on Phonics, where we look at different words that you hear probably almost in every sermon or at least in your Sunday school classes and just kind of breaking down those words uh, to see if we can find deeper meaning in them, uh, but also if we can explain them better so that we can have a strong theology, but also just a strong um, a strong opinion, or not opinion, but a strong <laughs> foundation for our faith. Thanks, Gary. <laughs> <laughs> I knew what you were going There with. we go. A strong foundation for our faith. So Micah and Garrett, we're all together in the building today. Uh, our two, we're actually going over two words. Uh, so instead of just one word, it's going to be two words that are very, very similar and they relate with each other. The first one is propitiation. Uh, in propitiation, it's not the word itself is not in the Bible a ton, but we're going to talk about that. And then the second word uh, that's going to tie into propitiation is atonement. I feel like I've heard of atonement more than propitiation, uh, and you might have as well. But those are the two words we're going to break down today. Micah Garrett, what's happening? So um, right now the the Big Twelve tournament has begun in yeah, West well, Virginia. Yeah, well, that doesn't matter. SEC, SEC tournament's SEC going tournament on. Is um, <laughs> so spoiler. If you're listening like later today, uh, today's Thursday. But if you're listening later today, maybe you have it recorded due to like I know like one of my family members does this sometimes. So uh, spoiler coming. So if you don't want to hear this, just uh, pause or UK fast fan. forward thirty seconds. Yeah, um, UK's down fourteen at the half to Mississippi uh, State, forty-four to thirty. They are absolutely <laughs> laying an egg. So. <laughs> Well, I mean, they've laid an egg all year. Yeah, so. well, they played their best game last game, yeah. and so they kind of we thought, well, maybe they're going to turn around a little bit, but no, nah, they, well, they're terrible. What really matters is that WVU's playing right now. Yeah. So well, what really matters is WVU is going to lose in the second round, like they do every year of the tournament. <laughs> they uh, might um, lose first round. Who knows? Yeah, yeah, they've been one final know. four. You guys, who they beat to get there? Ever a year for something different to happen, it would be this year. Yeah. Because well, that's the thing with UK. We're not going to make the wins. tournament. And UK this is needs the year ten that we... straight wins to win a national championship. They don't. Even, do they? Aren't they at nine wins right now? Counting this one would be ten. So they're literally not even in double digit wins. Like the football team legitimately. <laughs> oh, oh no! Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Like their current record. Yeah. yeah they only have like nine like, wins. Like our football team legitimately this year could win more than our basketball team. <laughs> that is like legit, and our football the, team's okay. good. I mean, Twelve typically oh, without a playoff, without yeah. the bowl game. And we won 10 two years ago, so like yeah. it's not crazy to think. <laughs> I would never no. thought this was No one came. would have ever guessed in the whatever, in this era, that UK basketball would have less wins than a football team. <laughs> but here we are. Um, here we so, are. propitiation Talk. slash atonement. Um, we are... Uh, <laughs> um, I was just going to try to tie this into UK, but there might not be. Come off sacrilege. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> might as well just leave that one behind. And yeah. Uh, so yeah, propitiation. That's a that's a, a word that is kind of fun to say. You have, what, what's your favorite word to say? Uh, Francisco. Bro, I was going to say <laughs> that. Oh, From uh, elf. Uh, elf, yeah. Francisco. <laughs> that's a fun word to say. <laughs> I um, uh, didn't get that reference right away. If you're listening right now, we just encourage you to Will say Farrell. propitiation <laughs> three times. Yeah, say it five times fast. Propitiation. Um, well, anyway, really it, know. it's a word, you know, honestly, we put this on the list. I can't remember who put it on the list. I think it was Micah. Micah. And uh, I, you, you put it on there, and I was like, huh, that's one that's not tossed around all that much. It, it It's used 
but it's not I think it's just used in passing. Half the time, I think when it's used, people don't really use it in the right context or in kind of the right way. Um, Propitiation is the action of appeasing God. It's the action of basically coming before God and, and expressing either exultation, glorifying him, or expressing sorrow for the way you've separated yourself from him. In whatever form, it's the act of appeasing God. Um, You could almost say that propitiation is lifting your hands up. It's raising yourself to God um, in order to draw nearer to him. Um, In the Old Testament, propitiation was the act of sacrificing something in order to rid your uncleanliness and appease God so that he would be with you. And that's why it goes hand-in-hand with atonement, because atonement is the act of covering up your sins. Um, And so when we atone, we take the mistakes we have, and we basically put something over it so that they're gone. We do that, we atone, as part of the act of propitiation. So they kind of, they, they go hand in hand um, in that regard. You know, we'll probably see that more towards the end of the podcast. Uh, yeah. How, how that relates. I, I like this definition. This is a, I had a, I was doing a Bible study with some buddies and uh, some of my best friends and he gave me a definition of propitiation that somebody had given him in a Bible study. Uh, and I think it was a study that he had done before on First John. And I'll just read First John uh, chapter 2. Starting, I'll go chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. John says, My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And then verse 2, he says, talking about Jesus Christ, he says, Jesus is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. So we know when we think about propitiation that, that Jesus, he is the propitiation for our sins. And this definition that um, I had learned in this Bible study, uh, and I really liked, I even wrote it in my Bible, uh, it is a sacrifice that bears God's wrath and turns it into favor. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you can think about what Jesus Christ did on the cross. Um, he, As the propitiation for our sins, he took on God's wrath uh, and turned it into favor for us. And that's, that's one of, probably one of the best ways that I've come to understand propitiation is looking at uh, the example of Christ and what he did as our propitiation. Mm. He's, he's that in the sense that he created the opportunity for us to appease God, but he also, in that propitiation, covered up our sins, mm-hmm. and that's what atonement yep. is. That's why they go, yep, hand in hand. Um, and, and we see examples of this, in, obviously through Jesus, because he's the ultimate propitiation and atonement, but we see them in, in the Old Testament, and, and Jesus' sacrifice fulfilled the examples of this within the Old Testament. And, and we're going to look at a couple... Two specific examples. The first one is Abraham and Isaac, and then the second one is Moses and the law, which is what Jesus fulfilled. Um, But the first one, Abraham and Isaac, there is a beautiful symmetry between Abraham and the almost sacrifice of his son Isaac and Jesus 
and God's sacrificing of Jesus for for our sake. Um, you know, the story of Abraham goes, he's called out by God in Genesis chapter 12 to leave his land, to leave his family, to leave everything he knew behind and just venture out. And that was that was something you just didn't do. You never left your family. You would grow with your family. <laughs> you would marry <laughs> a, a first cousin, <laughs> essentially. Like, everything was about family in that time. Um, and ironically, Sarah was actually, I think, Abraham's second cousin. Um, but you, you just didn't leave family. And yet, Abraham, as an act of faith, listened to this God, listened to Yahweh, and left everything behind to follow him. And it, it's very likely that from the start, Abraham wasn't even monotheistic. Abraham, Yahweh was probably just another God to Abraham that expressed himself to him. But then as he grew in this relationship with Yahweh, he realized that, no, he's the only God. There isn't anything else. Well, anyway, he goes through this journey with God, and God promises some descendants. He promises that his offspring will number the sand, um, number the stars in the sky, um, and... (laughs) Abraham and Sarah just keep getting older and older and older. And and by the time Abraham's 99 years old and Sarah's 89 years old, they don't have an offspring. And Abraham's like, okay, yeah, I, I trust that you can make it possible, but I don't know how it's going to happen. And yet then when they are 190, God gives them Isaac. They have a child in their old age. And, um, and just imagine, you know, going your entire life wanting a child and not getting it how much you would express love towards that that child. Mm. Um, talk about an only child getting everything they ever wanted, you know. Um, talk about only child syndrome that that you would that that child would want for nothing. Um, and that's what makes what happens in Genesis chapter 22 so profound because we see Abraham loves Isaac is just head over heels over this son. And then in verse 1 of chapter 22, it says, After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, here I am, answered Abraham. Take your son, God said, your only son Isaac, whom you love. Now think about the similarity there. Take your only son, God said that about Jesus, the son whom you love. That's who, what he says, this is my son with whom I'm well pleased when Jesus baptizes himself. So that's, there's some similarity there. Take your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. So God gave Abraham the son through miraculous means, and now he's told Abraham when he's, the child's around eight years old, go sacrifice him. Go place him on top of this mountain, on top of this high place where altars, you know, altars were always built on top of mountains. Um, so he's saying, go build an altar on top of this mountain, put your son on it, and offer him up to me. Let your son be a propitiation for me. Let your son appease me. That, that's what God is telling Abraham. Now, <laughs> imagine being put in that situation, being placed in that moment where God has given you God has acted in a miraculous way in giving you this child and then says, give him to me as a sacrifice. That <laughs> mm. just it blows my mind. That's the situation here. Yeah, you wonder what kind of goes through Isaac's mind through that, you know. Oh, yeah. Um, 
Probably didn't have any idea. Uh, well, yeah, sorry, Abraham's <laughs> mine. I was thinking Abraham, but oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, you wonder where it goes. Yeah, Isaac doesn't. But until they get up there, yeah. and Isaac and says, submits to, where, to Is it Ram or Goat? He yeah, asks well, one of the two, and they yeah. find the other one. Uh, and he's like, where is the offering? And he kind of just, I think, you know, I don't know that you, you get like a perfect two two indication. Together. I think uh, Abraham responds, God will provide, I yeah. think, in that. Mm-hmm. And, and I think, Isaac, you kind of like, I just imagine him kind of crawling up on the altar, like, well, you know, I'll just get up here. And, you know, like, it's kind of a, it's an, it's an odd uh, scene. It's a little awkward family dynamic. It's, just, it's really odd for us, especially living in a world where we don't sacrifice animals, you know, well, uh, for, for the appeasement yeah, of God, because yeah. the perfect lamb has been mm-hmm. sacrificed. So it is kind of odd, and, and just reading it and trying to follow along, you're like, man, what a just difficulty a, for Abraham. A weird encounter. But so willingly submits to that. Mm. Uh, I think the beauty of it is is there's no questioning there, really. Abraham just says, all right, let's pack the mule and let's go up the hill and uh, up the mountain and we're going to have a sacrifice, Isaac. And they just, they go. Well, well more than that, think about Isaac's submission too. I mean, mm-hmm. they go up this mountain. They yeah. make it up the mountain. They get there and um, <clears throat> it says, when they arrived at the place that God had told him about, Abraham built the altar there and arranged the wood. He bound his son Isaac and placed him on the altar on top of the wood. Now, it wasn't like, it doesn't say that he Isaac fought with him. It doesn't say that Isaac questioned him. It doesn't say that, that Isaac was trying to run away and, and Abraham used the lasso and pulled him in. It right. just says he bound his son Isaac and put him on yeah. the wood. Isaac was submissive in this. And, it, and this, yet again, recalls Jesus and the fact that Jesus, you know, in the garden, he says, God, I don't know. I, I hate that this is what's going to happen. It says he was bleeding. He was sweating drops of blood. Mm, but then he says, your will be done. Yep. I'm submitting to you. And we mm. see that in, in Isaac as well, that he's submitting to his father's direction. He's submitting to God's decree. And it says, then Abraham reached out, took the knife to slaughter his son. He would have held the knife above his son's heart, ready to plunge it. And then it says, but the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, do not lay a hand on your boy or do anything to him. For now I know you fear God since you have not withheld your only son from me. Um, And it's just this, you know, beautiful representation of what Jesus is. Mm. God is calling Abraham, appease me draw near to me by giving me your son. But then we see in Jesus, God says to humanity, I'm going to draw near to you. You know, you can't appease me fully the way that you're called to. You can't give a proper and full propitiation to draw to me. So I'm going to do it on my own. I'm going to give you my son. And and giving you my son I'm doing it for you and appeasing myself so that I can draw near to you. And that's a beautiful picture of of propitiation within mm. the difference between the experience that Abraham had with Isaac and the experience we receive through through Christ. Mm. Yeah. Um, it's kind of an interesting scene. You think about Abraham holding that knife mm. up and you just like feel like tears are like flowing down his face, oh, yeah. right? Because like he said, you know, this is at 100 years old and his wife at 90, they've you know, waited their whole life for this child and they've, you know, it's finally come and then it's like, wait, you want me to kill him? Mm. Um, but like, like we were saying, kind of the, the, the blind trust, so to speak, yeah. because he's kind of like, God's like, go up to the mountain, I'll show you and, you know, sacrifice your son as a burnt offering. And, uh, and, and so the blind trust there is, is a beautiful picture of 
like you said, it's it's a great connection of Jesus being. Of course, Jesus wasn't blind; he knew it would happen. Yeah. Um, but yet trusted God in in, in the plan. And even um, though he knew the suffering he yeah. was going to endure, he still and 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 yet he knew he would rise again. Um, and I think that to me is really the key image of a couple things. One, how bad the suffering was. That mm. Jesus knew how knew the result of what was going to happen. He told the disciples. He several times referenced, you know, different indications that three days later he would rise. Yeah. He knew that truth, yet didn't He's, want to. But it also references what happened in those three days. What happened in the time, as far as how severe mm. the punishment was between the time of his death and the resurrection. And Jesus, I think, knew. Um, the punishment physically, spiritually, uh, emotionally that was going to happen, that he was going to, in so many words, wow. wear. And think of in thinking of that, Jesus' punishment was the Jesus, the punishment Jesus bore was the punishment that we are supposed right. to bear. Exactly. And that punishment is separation from God. Exactly. So Jesus' death yeah. brought a separation from God from God. Yeah. That makes sense. And so it's it, crazy. Yeah, and it shows that to me, even like you said, Jesus in, in the garden and, and, you know, really just praying and sweating blood in just this high stress anxiety moment where he's like, there's any other way, take this cup, but yet your will be done, like you said, because he knows the result. He knows he's going to rise again. He knows he's going to be the propitiation for all people, but yet that though, that time period from, that anticipation from the beginning of punishment until mm-hmm. the resurrection was going to be un questionably and undescribably painful mm. in so many ways. And so that goes to show you, one, that it's an inkling of the punishment of sin, the yeah. separation of us and God, how terrible that is. And that severe. Jesus knew the result, knew that he would rise again, and yet mm. still didn't want to suffer that pain yeah. of just mm-hmm. a temporary separation. Um, and, you know, I think there's there's a lot of depth in that in that truth uh, in, in the propitiation mm. of Jesus. Absolutely. Of him being the propitiation. Well, um, do you guys want a quick update on UK? <laughs> I actually How, would. How's it going? They, they just started the second half, so they're still down by 14. Oh, okay. West Virginia is close. So. Uh, we're, we just went down, actually. Yeah, they're down we were up by six, and now we're down by four, I think. So, it's on commercial break. Um, but. You know, we're, we're going to see if Kentucky can fight back. But, you know. While we do, we can continue this discussion between <laughs> <laughs> propitiation. Right. And there's your sports moment there on the Hunt podcast. <laughs> there's, there's your commercial break. Well, that's, drawing, your, so. that's your hunt for the day. Kentucky basketball is terrible. That ain't a for hum. like no, that's like a like ain't a hum. Huh? That's a duh. That's what I'm saying. Like well, but it's a hum because we're not terrible normally. So there's true, your hum for the day. We're, we're terrible. We're an eight seed in the SEC tournament and getting throttled by a nine seed. So there you go. That's always fun. Yeah. Well, how are you an eighth seed in the SEC tournament when you don't even have ten wins? Well, there's only 12, 13 teams in it. Oh, so all of your wins are from the SEC? Yeah, we have one non-conference. Oh. We literally have one non-conference. And Moorhead State, who, by the way, it's a quality win. Because it Moorhead State's is, yeah. good. Are they? They're going to the tournament. They won their We're down by five right now, 52-57. So, anywho, atonement, propitiation. Um, <clears throat> so, propitiation, we see that in Abraham and Isaac. We see a glimmer of it. We see the fullness of it in Jesus. Abraham, God pulled Abraham back from fully engaging in appeasement through sacrificing his son, but then God fully engaged with propitiation by sacrificing the Son of God. Um, That's propitiation. But Jesus' sacrifice, his death, didn't only appease God 
in the sense of a propitiation, but it also covered ourselves. And and we see that through the example of of the law of Moses and <clears throat> the book of Leviticus, um, the book of Exodus. It, it's <laughs> it's one of those Old Testament books that you just like pull your hair out trying to read through um, because it's all these outdated laws that make no sense. You know, one of the laws is you can't wear two different types of cloth, meaning you can't have polyester. Uh-oh. Um, you're not supposed to have tattoos. You can't have piercings. There's all sorts of <gasps> laws within there, and you're like, why? If if Christ has fulfilled this law, am I going to abate? What's the point of it? Um, <clears throat> the point of the law is to be a mirror. The law was never meant to bring salvation. It was never meant to bring atonement, but it was meant to show Israel and show us still how dirty we are. So we're supposed to look at the law and use it as like we're looking into mirror and we're seeing like we just got out, we just got finished working in clay all day and we're covered in dust and we look in the mirror and we see just how filth we are. The mirror is the law and we realize how dirty we are looking into it. Mm-hmm. We can't clean ourselves off using the mirror. We can't like take the mirror off the wall and, and scrub ourselves clean with the mirror. That's just not possible. You can't use the mirror to to wipe yourself off. You have to cover yourself off. You have to get in the shower and then and dry yourself off afterwards. That's how you clean up your sin. That's what atonement is. The law doesn't provide atonement. It provides... It, it provided it, a temporary. It provides atonement. a temporary fix yeah. through sacrifice, through, through grain offerings, through burnt offerings. But it, it wasn't a solution. Jesus' atonement covers our sin... The law shows us our sin. The Jesus' atonement perpetually, eternally covers that. Because the thing in, in when we look in, if you're reading through Leviticus, and I encourage you to. I know it's a hard book, hmm. as Garrett explained, but when you it's actually sit one. down and read it, there are very important concepts that that help you understand a lot of the things that are happening in the New Testament. And, and when we look at um, the ancient times, when we look at the times of Moses, and, and we look at uh, you know when Aaron was the priest and uh, the regulations and the guidelines mm. for atonement were pretty long. And there was mm. a lot of things that had to be done. Like it, it was a full-time job for the yeah. priest to continually offer sacrifices. And when we talk about atonement in the Old Testament, such as bulls and goats and different things that were offered, uh, they were it wasn't just like, a, oh, we'll offer this one time. Now, there was a day of atonement. Yeah. Um, but sacrifices were offered every single day, all mm-hmm. of the time. Israel was very bloody, or the Israelites, even when they, as they were walking through the wilderness, there was a lot of death. Why? Because there was a lot of sin. Um, and for their sin, there had to be a lot of sacrifice to, as we cover talked about, up. to temporary, temporar- temporarily cover mm-hmm. their sin. But of course, the beautiful thing is when Jesus comes, um, his sin, or not his sin, Jesus didn't sin. Don't, don't, don't tell your parents that. Um, Jesus' blood covered yeah. our sins completely. Uh, but in the Old Testament, there was a lot of death, uh, and there was a lot of uh, sacrifices that had to be a temporary atonement for us. Yeah. And we see that roll over into the New Testament times as well. Um, the thing about the New Testament times is a lot of scholars will say the sacrificial system that was there in the wilderness, that was there um, even in the Davidic, the Davidic kingdom, is completely, not completely, it's 
very diminished in the time of Jesus. They had the Day of Atonement. The Day of Atonement was basically where the high priest comes and offers a sacrifice to God in order to cover the cleansing of the temple. They they clean out the most holy of holy places during the Day of Atonement. Um, and they had the Day of Atonement still. They still had people would come to the temple to offer sacrifices, but it wasn't like... It, it, it wasn't as persistent. Um, the Pharisees... And, and religious leaders would have offered sacrifices very regularly. A normal person wouldn't have. They would have just accepted their, their fate as being filthy. And yet, when Jesus comes into the scene, he says, I, I didn't come for you. I didn't come, Pharisees. I didn't come to heal the already healthy. I came to heal the sick. I came to heal those that have kind of just accepted their their dirtiness. He said, I'm, I've come to he- cleanse, to cover up sin fully and, for, and forever. Um, and I think a lot of times when we turn Christianity into religion, we miss the point that Jesus came for relationship, not just for those that are clean and perfect and already, you know, cleansed, but for those who didn't have the ability to make themselves that way from the, from the get go. Mm-hmm. And that's the beautiful thing about atonement. It's not, we can't cover our sin. No. Uh, and, and that was the whole point, you know, like there was things in the old Testament that they did to cover it temporarily. But the whole point of it is they were waiting and they were um, anticipating that, Hey, there was going to be a sacrifice mm-hmm. that would eventually come and wipe away all sin. Mm-hmm. And, um, the prophets that they they uh, prophesied of of this coming King, of course Jesus Christ, yeah. uh, in His coming. Uh, but this is something that that I believe that most of them probably would have looked forward to. Is gosh, just think about if we had to kill a cow or mm. a bull or a goat every time we sin. Yeah, uh, thinking like, hey, is this something we always have to do? Yeah, uh, mm. one it does. Like as a mirror, it shows how much sin there is. But uh, just the blessing that we have living in a post resurrection world is that hey. Jesus has done all the work for us. There's nothing that we could possibly do to cover our own sin. A great kind of illustration of atonement and what it provides for us is through um, the tenth plague in in Exodus. Um, it, for any of you that don't know, um, Israel was held in slavery by Egypt. God says, "I'm going to Moses. I'm going to use you to bring my people out of slavery." Pharaoh won't let it happen, so that God shows his power by bringing plagues upon Egypt. And the last one is the plague of the death of the firstborn child, which is horrific in this time. Your firstborn child dies. It changes your descendancy forever. Now, God tells Israel, in order for this not to happen to you, in order to escape this punishment of death, you need to take the blood of a, of a lamb, of a goat, um, and paint it on your doorpost. You need to take it and put it on your doorpost. By covering your doorpost in blood, the angel of death will pass over you, and you will escape your fate. That's what atonement is. The blood of Christ has covered us, and as such, the punishment of death passes over. Jesus became a propitiation for sin, he appeased God in a way that we never could appease God. But then he also places his blood upon us so that the penalty for our sin, for our separation from God, 
is passed over. And now, because Jesus also appeased God, we can have a relationship with God in a way that we never could before. And I am thankful for that. Yeah. Uh, I am very thankful. I, I like to... Um, I love the illustration of the Passover, mm. and that's one of the things. Like, I, I like to because sometimes it's hard to like really recognize. All right, what did what did Jesus' sacrifice do for us? Um, but it does show, you know, in the uh, in that first Passover, yeah. the hey, we couldn't do it on our own. We just all they did was paint blood above their door, and it was the blood of a lamb. Who, of course, now it's the blood of the perfect lamb, Jesus Christ, that uh, the angel of the Lord would pass over, and that they would not have death because mm. uh, that's what sin brings it brings yeah. about death and I, that's a that's an awesome illustration just to kind of think about hey we deserve death but because of the blood of christ um in his blood only that we over. have yeah our sins have been atoned for yeah can you think of what it would have been like to be a witness to the plagues to be oh a gosh. part of israel mm. i can't I, I think of everything that i would have want, wanted to see god do I would have wanted to witness him split the Red Sea. Oh yeah, <laughs> I would just have. just to to witness that. Mm. Well, I think as far as plagues, I think uh, I don't think I would want to be there. But I always think about the uh, the frogs in the second oh, yeah. plague. Like how loud that would have been. Yeah, like how many frogs actually were there? Like how many? I mean, what are we talking about? Like if that happened in Russell County, are we talking about like every square foot there's a frog? Golly. Or uh, that, I don't know. I think it's. I think that's kind of the plague that you're like. That's kind of a joke. Like that, surely that's not right. right. But then, if you think about it, if frogs covered everything, oh, you'd be creeping How out. miserable! Yeah, <laughs> just taking be. like shovel loads of frogs. I think one of the worst one would be Flame the boils, burning. where that, you have so yeah. many boils you can't even sit comfortably. Yeah, that would be terrible. Mm. Yeah, none of them would be fun um, mm-hmm. by any means. But I, I, Moses is incredible just because of um, the way the Spirit works through him. Yeah, and that, that's a topic for another day. But um, as far as propitiation and atonement go, you can sum them up through the examples of Abraham and Isaac, where Isaac almost went through appeasing and sacrificing his son, but God pulled that back and said, no, I love you, so I'm going to give you my son to appease myself. And then out of that appeasement, we have the atonement, where the blood of his son covers us so that the penalty for death passes, passes over us. There, so in Jesus' death, we have an appeasement, and we have a covering of the wrongdoing that separated us from God in the first place. That's good. And we hope you guys at least learned something or, or maybe even just brought back to your memory uh, how important atonement is and the beauty of it, but also maybe even learned about propitiation uh, and what that is. Next week, our word is redemption. Uh, or redeemed, and we're going to look at uh, what is truly redemption, and what does that mean for us mm. as Christians. So, mm. guys, you got uh, got anything to close us out? Well, hopefully, as people are listening to this later, West Virginia has come back and won, and we're hoping that they're the, down three with the ball, and yeah. maybe Kentucky come back, and we are the SEC champions. Who knows? Hey, by the time you listen to this, yeah, well, <laughs> crazy things have happened before. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, Mikey, you want to pray for us? Yeah, man, I'd love to. Let's pray. God, we love you and we thank you. Uh, we just thank you that you sent your son uh, as the propitiation, God, that uh, his his death atones for our sins, God, and covers our sins. 
uh, for eternity, God, that Jesus was and is the perfect lamb. Uh, we're so thankful for that truth, God. I pray that we would uh, come to know you more through that, God, and, and we would worship you, uh, that we would uh, praise you, God, for, for all the many blessings you have given us, including the greatest one of, of, of Christ. And we just, uh, we love you, Lord, and we, we just uh, pray that you would um, use us uh, as your mouthpiece, God, to, to reach uh, the corners of this world. God, use us as uh, followers of you to, to impact uh, those around us uh, and to engage them with Christ. We love you. We thank you. In your name we pray. Amen.